a new year. We're in the shed. Happy that you're here listening to us. We've got some ground to cover. We can't dilly-dally too long. So let's just start. Gentlemen, happy new year. Happy new year. And best of the season, whatever. And all of that, yeah. Yes, happy new year. Uh, Let's have a little show of hands who stayed up to midnight. Down to you, Skinny. Nobody else? That's great. Excellent. Wow. Well done. Was it just you or did you? No, me and Hale were watching a really super terrible movie. It was a shark movie. It was, wasn't Sharknado. Oh no, it was Megalodon, (laughs) Megalodon up from below or something like that. It was just terrible. Have you seen Sharknado? No, I haven't. I I watched it. I watched Open Water 3. Uh, And let me just say Open Water 3. So- is that a part of Sharknado? No, I, no, it's it's just about some people end up in the open ocean and they are being hunted by a shark or sharks. No. But in this movie, <laughs> in this movie, like more normally in these kind of sort of horror-esque movies, you know, there's jump scares, there's lots of tension and the tension arises from you not wanting them to get killed, sort of. You right. Know? And they repeatedly fail to look in the direction in yeah, which a monster. Yeah, and they be. insist on going down into the basement, <laughs> stuff like that. You know, like <laughs> oh, forgot my flashlight. Anyway, I'm just going to continue yeah. down here. Hey, the lights are out. Well, no matter. You know, <laughs> but in this one, you just you spent the whole movie like from about 15 minutes in. You just sort of think, I hope a shark smokes all three of these guys in the next five minutes, and we can just watch the ocean for the next 90 minutes because. <laughs> Just horrible. Because otherwise you have to watch the ocean for 90 minutes and then the sharks. Well, you just have to hear these characters. And I I was even thinking about, is this good writing or super terrible writing? Super terrible writing will want you to have the characters get off the screen so that you don't have to hear any acting as well, right? Because they're all terrible actors also. You want them off the screen. You don't want to have to hear what next stupid thing. But then you sort of think, Maybe the actual point here is to really make you hate these characters so that, you know, it's not such a tragedy when inevitably they get eaten by the shark. Because they do, right? They do every stupid thing you can imagine. It's oh, like, yeah. It's is bleeding. this fifth shark movie or something? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Kind of. So I'm talking as though I have a lifetime of shark movie viewing experience. This is a subgenre of ridiculous stuff involving animals. Yeah. I'd say snakes on a plane is probably part of that. Oh, a hundred. Yeah. Part of that genre. I think snakes in a plane though, intended to be to some extent deliberately comedic. Yes. These stupid shark movies are not. Well, Sharknado. Sharknado. Yeah. But I haven't watched that. (laughs) Also haven't watched uh, Sharktopussy or (laughs) there's a whole bunch of them, man. Like really... And they're all hipster amusements, right? Oh, well, so they are a little bit meant to but be amusing. these open water ones are not meant... These mm-hmm. open water, there's three of them. I've only seen the first and the third. But I don't recall the last time I just was so done with the characters that I just wished the shark would eat them so this movie would be over. Well, I, you know, I think, guys, when we incorporate Hipster Amusements, Inc., <laughs> nice. that's a good company name, isn't it? I don't think it's taken. Band name. Take this out in editing so that nobody... Yeah, we don't want anybody else to take that. Ladies and gentlemen, the hipster amusement. I don't know if you guys remember, but at the end of our last session with Jen, 
she said, yeah, be careful, you guys. You know, it's a, that kind of snow, it's like th- two, three, four inches of snow, and it's on top of a sheet of ice. Mm-hmm. And then we we traded stories about the whoop, yep, and the back of the head. You talked about how it's yep. important how your muscle tone's gone, right? Yep. So that night, <laughs> I'm walking Took. I'm watching. I'm watching. I'm not going to slip and fall, right? And the walk's going so well that my mind completely forgets, right? And we're walking down a fairly steep alley on, you know, a couple inches of snow, right? I feel my feet going quickly. I think my eye sees the sheer ice that my feet have Mm. now cleared. And it all is happening in slow motion. I'm almost like hearing Skin's voice talking about <laughs> muscle tone. <laughs> Took's just coming along beside me and just bam, the back of my head Ooh. right on the ice. Ooh. Exactly what we had just had a Ooh. conversation about. <laughs> How bad? So, so I'm okay and I get up and I'm going, I got a few sore muscles and stuff. And I'm going to, I continue the walk and I get down to the next block down, which is level. And, uh, we've circled around now. We're going to start in our route back still on the level. And a guy kind of, uh, took sniffing around a guy's tree and a guy opens the front door and I think, and is this guy really worried about whether a dog's going to pee on his, and I say, hi, how you doing? He goes, yeah, be careful out there. My wife slipped and fell and hit the back of her head in an alley. I go, you mean this alley just up here? Yeah. That one. I said, yeah, so did I. And he says, well, you better get that checked. So I get home and. I have a little bit of a headache on the top of my head, which I never have a headache on the top of my head. So I feel like maybe there's a little bleeding up there. So anyway, I did call the doctor about it and that, that headache, it was never a serious headache, but I did feel it for the next five days or so. Yeah. Yeah. So you probably did get, so he said, well, I'm supposed to tell you to go to emergency Yeah, and I can tell you you're going to be waiting a long time. Yeah. He said, or you could try one of these new, um, urgent care centers. But then I went on the website afterwards and it says on the list of don't come here for this head injuries is on there. So I think a concussion would count as a head injury, right? So it's gone now. Like the, after about five days, I never felt any more. No, that's, you're lucky. Cause that could have been, a, I bet you did have a mild concussion and it could have been a lot worse than mild. So. And the problem is that I'm so forgetful and I have so many symptoms constantly, you know, brain fog. It's all there, right? Always in my whole life now. It's hard to tell if any of it's gotten worse or not, but what, what were we talking about again? Until Thursday. So there I am. So I get back home. I get back home and I'm playing some marathon. Man, marathon's been great. I'm enjoying it, but unfortunately I've gotten to a place in marathon where I can't make it any further. I'm failing to figure out the puzzle. I go to get my phone to kind of search on the phone so I don't have to quit the game. And I realize I don't have my phone. So I'm going, okay, well, I go into find my, you know, the app where you find your phone and there it is. I can see specifically where I fell down. Nearly. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Holy shit. That's awesome. (laughs) That's awesome. How long? Just the same evening? It's the same evening. Yeah. It's about two hours later and And it's just slipped under the snow. So I go up and I say, soon, can I borrow your phone? But I'd forgotten that I, I can't figure out how to locate it from her phone. I can locate it from the computer. Anyway, I head down there without her phone 
She says, don't forget to bring us flashlight. Well, I forgot to bring a flashlight. I mean, you don't need a flashlight. It's on your phone, right? I'm telling you, if you tell us that you slipped and banged your head again in this alley, I'm just going to, that'll be it. So I park down below it and I walk up there carefully, walking in the, the deeper side area. You know, that's safer there, right? And uh, I cannot find it. I forgot the flashlight. And so uh, I head back. And by then I've realized, oh yeah, so here's what I do. So I get Sue's phone. it. I get Sue's phone and I go into iCloud.com on her phone and sign in as myself. And it it says, hey, you're going into iCloud.com. Do you want to skip the step of asking for verification from one of the, your devices because you've lost that device? Wow. And I go, yes, please. And so it just lets me right in. You need the password, of course. But I guess you could have also alternatively just phoned it. Just take the phone with you to the alley and phone your own number. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that probably be. would have been more straightforward. But the Find My interface provides a, you can have it make a sound, right? <laughs> and that sounds louder than the phone ringer. Yeah, I know. Especially if you've turned off the ringer, right? Which it's I just have for most of the time. normal people like me who are not able to tolerate the technical frustration of realizing, oh, I got to sign this myself on iCloud on this device. And then I, you know, all that stuff usually just defeats me. So, what I'm doing here is flattering you for having the technical knowledge to actually do that stuff. Because for me, I would have just blocked right at that well, point. Well, it's a PSA. You go into iCloud.com and you can do it on somebody else's phone. Yeah. Yeah. And that is a really good PSA. So it's really cool. I've got her phone. It's showing me where my phone is but it's not showing me where I am. So that's a little confusing. But then I remember the little icon, you tap that. Now, now you can see where you are, right? So now I get to see the blue dot converging <laughs> on the green dot, you know, this is exciting, you zoom right? right down and to the I one meter get there and I'm going, I cannot see it. Right. Because it was snowing yeah, and it had still been snowing for those two hours. Right. So then I press the play sound button and it's, you know, it's got awesome. the sound, right? And I'm going, is that coming from Sue's phone? No, it's not. And I go, is it, th- is it there? And I just reach down and the phone is right there. Like first reach <laughs> under this pristine new snow. And just there, it was like the most satisfying thing. We, we definitely need a new segment and it should be old guy thrills. <laughs> <laughs> this week on old guy. Th- it was right there. First. But that would be very satisfying. I, th- I thought it had just slipped under the existing snow because it would, right? It'd follow your pocket and skid along the ice and slide under the snow That's and right. just be invisible. That's right. That's what I thought. But if it was yeah, still snowing. Yeah, and I snowing, mean, you, in theory, the snow was melted within, what, three, four days after yeah. that. In theory, I suppose I could have come back. And then the next day I'm walking the dog and a woman who's walking another dog, I saw her first and then I saw her again half an hour later. I said, oh, you're still here. She goes, no, I came back. I lost my phone. Oh, man. <laughs> and it's like in all this snow, right? And I said, well, here's what you need to do. That's excellent. So, yeah. You should set up a booth. That is, yeah. Uh, or alternatively, you should just refuse to host Tukey anymore. It sounds like a lot of trouble. Well, it's all he, his yeah, fault. Yeah, he's gone now. What a sweet dog. Yeah. Well, I don't mean to loop back, but the first part of your story about losing your phone I was just envisioning the whole thing as a movie, the, like the whole thing. I could see, I could yeah, yeah. see shot for shot, you yeah. know, the slow-mo. I was the doing the Skin's same. voice. <laughs> yeah. Does he let go of the leash? 
Does the dog just take off when I he does I never let go of the leash. I know. I didn't think of that, but yeah. now that you mention it, yeah. Like, I got one dog where if I do that and I let go of the leash, I don't care if I'm five miles from home, he's gone. He's going. Well, I was considering what would happen if I had basically passed out at that point. And I'm pretty sure most dogs would do the thing where they just stick with you and maybe start to bark. Well, I don't watch a lot of sports, but when I do watch sports and if I get engaged in the, the game... And I go, oh, or something like that. Tuke comes in and gets really, really worried. Like he, <laughs> nice. yeah, yeah. he comes in and he looks at me like, what's going on? Would, he, would we need to be concerned? Are you <laughs> mad at me? Like what's happening? Yeah. And we get this some clarity here. Yeah, no, their uh, dogs are pretty fantastic, really, I think. And sorry, all you cat people, not to take anything away from cats. We could talk about those another time. Maybe on another podcast with other guys in a different shed. <laughs> well, Clifford was yeah. down as well, Hannah's cat. Oh yeah. And I had to take my DCM time windows that I bought in yeah, 1978 yeah. and put them down in the basement in one of the guest rooms I, and close I the door. I think you mentioned that because he shredded them the last right. time. There was another solution, but it just takes too much effort. You actually saran wrap around the cat the entire speaker. Yeah. The cat. <laughs> well, you could do it either way, the cat or the speaker. Yeah, it's, you know, Hannah's not there, so. <laughs> no, Hannah was there. <laughs> well, she might not mind anyways. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Speaking of uh, sports, yesterday I just I turned on the TV and I was on Sportsnet and it was the top hundred plays of the year, you know, year end wrap up, and there was a clip of Ultimate Frisbee and I've never seen that. Wow! On on a football field, right? Right. right. And they do it like I think like football teams. They sort of line up like football teams and guys run and. Mm. It was just one highlight, and it was, you know, a tremendous catch. Throw and catch. Throw and catch. And I thought, I've just never seen that before. Neither have I. I've I've certainly heard of people playing. I mean, there's golf, and there's ultimate frisbee. I'm sure there's, isn't there extreme frisbee? Isn't there? Remember Rob had that one game? Wasn't it murder, like murder murder ball? You'd line up in two lines and throw the frisbee as hard as you could at each (laughs) other. And either, either wanted to avoid it. And get a point or catch, catch it, it and get more points. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys seen um, Top Gun Maverick? Oh, no. yes. Yes. It's a good, good movie. Isn't it great? Yeah. But it's Val Kilmer, isn't it? Yes. yes. Yeah. And he's... Uh, he's like 800 years old. Well, he's, he's not that... He has a health problem, right? In real life. Well, that's what I was wondering because he has, he's got some sort of cancer in the movie of the throat, I believe, and he can't talk, but he has one extended sentence at the end or something, or maybe he has a couple of lines. And I thought, now what, what's going on here? Because Val Kilmer is, I mean, he's, he's sort of poignant to the whole story. Yes. And, but what is the actor in real life? Is, are they dealing with something in his yeah. life yeah. or what? It's well known that he does have some big health thing, serious oh. health thing. Oh, right. And it was hard for him to shoot. Like, in, yeah. So they're, they're kind of capitalizing on the fact that everybody knows he's got a big name. Everybody knows he's really sick. So if we stick him in this movie playing a really sick guy, cha-ching. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, yeah, Val. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You get to wonder bitterly. If you're like me, at least. What do you get paid for that one sentence? Probably some just ridiculous amount. Oh, for sure. 
You know, like, come on. No, but I'm, I do, do have to say it. <laughs> Let's manufacture some outrage here. <laughs> um, watch it skin. Cause I, I was really kind of surprised at how much I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's possibly a better movie than the first one, you know? Oh, I think so. And I mean, the first one was great when it was new, but now it's aged yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So you're able to suspend all your, everything you know about Tom Cruise in reality, yeah. you're able to just yeah. ignore all that, yeah, yeah. then it must and, be pretty good. Well, and also the story is kind of, you know, it's, you expect it all, but, and Lucy kept saying through the whole movie, she says, those, they made those pilots fly. They taught them how to fly fighters. They're oh, yeah, all yeah. in fighters. Yeah. They're yeah. actors and they're in fighters yeah. and they're flying those fighters. Is that, that really true? Yeah. And yeah. that's Tom Cruise's shtick, right? Yeah. Whatever he's doing, he's going to do it. Yeah, like, he is, but. Yeah. But the other fighters have yeah, to too. Yeah. yeah. So it's pretty cool. Wow. I mean, I just can't even imagine what it must have cost to get somebody to give Tom Cruise and a bunch of other mooks like him permission to fly actual fighter jets. Yeah. doesn't matter they're not carrying weapons. Those things are worth millions of dollars. It's probably just an extra $50 million in the budget. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Like Avatar was $2 billion. What's that? The new Avatar was $2 billion. $2 billion. And it's made a billion already. And get out of town. Yeah. Two billion. That's what, according to James Cameron. And how many years in the making? It was like ten. Probably, yeah, yeah. I think so. Like they were probably on it as soon as the first one finished, if not before. Right? Yeah, and it, at least all- at least for planning. I think he took a. Was it then that he did his diving after the first Avatar? I think he got his deep sea submersible, went down to the bottom of the Pacific. Oh, he did the Titanic, didn't he? Didn't yeah, he? well, he, you know, maybe it was after he finished the Titanic. Titanic was before. Uh, no, no, but uh, the exploration of the Titanic. Oh, that would have been all a part of the Titanic. Right, and it, but he also went to the Marianas Trench, the deepest spot oh, right, in the Pacific. Right. Pretty wild stuff. Yeah. But speaking about... Uh, wait, wait, hmm? two yes. billion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, seriously, like what do you spend? Wait, how does he get it? <laughs> I don't know how he does it. What did you? Yes. Oh, no, well, sorry. Dr. Evil, RJ's interpret doing his imitation of Dr. Evil here. What do you spend $2 billion on? Isn't that a CG movie? Basically the entire thing? Yeah, but I think, you know, each frame can take some crazy amount of time on high-end workstations, like 10 hours. What is it, like gnomes in Switzerland? A single in a- frame. So they have, a, they have a big server farm maybe a hundred of them and each one is working on a frame. And so now they can do, because they have a hundred, they can do a hundred frames in 10 hours or something. It's just, and of course, how many frames per second? It's, what is it? And, and it's, it's 24 or, or six. It's also motion capture, right? The whole, yes. I think it's motion capture on top of CGI. So you got to, the actors have to do all that stuff. Get the little ping pong balls yeah. on, yeah, the on their face and their, Yeah. And so I, the, the transfer in that must be worth right. billions and billions. Yeah, and then the artists, and then the, uh, I don't know. I just, I'm still thinking Swiss gnomes. We'll have to fact check this. but Swiss gnomes in a giant underground cavern. Jeez, $2 billion? <laughs> I just, so. That's ha- today's dollars. <laughs> <laughs> have other movies cost in the billions no, 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 ever? No. Did you guys know? I think maybe the record was 600 million or something like that. But this Tom Cruise movie must have been hundreds of millions anyway, mm-hmm. I would imagine. I just, I don't even know. Video games are in that kind of budget too. Like a good modern $60 video games can run around 
eight hundred million or something like that. But their really? revenues their revenues are even bigger than movies, right? Like a a video game like Halo or one of those like big big name ones yeah. will have revenues bigger than a than a than a movie. And then you watch the credits at the end. If you get to finish the game, you get to watch the yeah. credits and they just take forever. Yeah, there's a lot of nationalities represented in well, those yeah, credits. There's too. that. So that multiplies it out, but also just the Oh, yeah, no, I know. This these the nationalities aren't just with voiceover stuff. It's it's they say layout and there's like clearly groups of guys doing layout in different countries. Yeah. And yeah. All of those kind of things, they're spread all over the world doing it. But $2 billion is just mind-boggling mm-hmm. for a movie. Jeepers. If it takes $2 billion to turn a profit, I thought that means your costs $2 billion, right? Including uh, marketing. Like us, for example. Any, any money that they pay to us to discuss it at length, that's in the $2 billion. Yeah. Oh, oh, for sure. Big chunk of it, too. What are we getting for this, then? The organic. No, no, we can't say that, Skinny. Well, we've just been talking about it. We've been it. talked about not. Let's go off off under, mic for a second. Just talk about under NDA, but we're not. We don't have an NDA to not say we're on NDA. Yeah, just to disclose what How we're getting. How many NDAs does it take to cover that? Yeah, really. Recursive forever. Memo to lawyer. <laughs> How do we? We're winging. Um, but I think that two billion number might be the one. You know how it works with the acting contracts. You know, you you get we'll pay you this salary. We'll keep it fairly low, but we'll give you a percent of profits anyway. And then when they do that, then it's surprising how many expenses there are before the profits happen. Mm. Basically, it's oh, we promised the studio this much. Yeah, like uh, Tom Cruise wouldn't get paid for Top Gun Maverick, right? right. He would. That, well, he gets some upfront money, but his his look is the ra- the royalties after to keep the trailer and yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah. paid for that. Here's thirty thousand bucks. Thanks a lot, Tom. And he would be the executive executive producer on this one, I think. I gotta think, Mr. That, Mr. Yeah. Big. Yeah. yeah. So Scientology will take a gigantic uptick. I don't know. Do if they sell stocks? I think that flows probably the other way around by now. They're paying him, probably. You think so? I don't know. Tom's a pretty shrewd business guy, I think. Speaking of religion, have you guys seen the Righteous Gemstones or heard about it? No, they sound like the uh, Hipster Amusements, actually. I'm telling you, Hipster Amusements, Inc. is a great company name. Uh, Yeah, the Righteous Gemstones is on Crave. They are a family of fundamentalist Baptist preacher types. What do you call that? Evangelicals. Evangelicals. So this this rises from the idea of shrewd businessmen in the business of beliefs. Yeah, it's John Goodman's the the head, uh, the patriarch of the family. It's a movie. Yeah, it's a series. Okay, it opens with them in China baptizing six hundred people. They got they got to get back to their flock and tell them what a big success the whole trip has been. But it's just outrageous. Like right in the first episode, blackmailer sends a video of one of the three kids um, at a party, a debauched party, snorting coke with prostitutes running around and guys with no clothes on and asks for a million dollars. And it just goes from there. And it's a comedy, right? It's a dark comedy. It's pretty darn fun. Walter Goggins ends up in there. Don't know him. 
tailor made for John Goodman though. Oh sure. yeah. He's perfect for that kind of thing. But they're just, it's just funny. Like the, the oldest son, he's got just these massive sideburns and they're all gray. He's overweight. And I think he wears cowboy boots because he has this way of walking that does the double, yeah. the double bounce <laughs> with every step. Right. And he just berates his family and talks down to the women and everything. So you wonder how much hate that series is going to generate from the extreme right wing. I wondered about that. Like, I think if you're on the extreme right wing, you probably ignore it. And if you're in the press, you definitely ignore it. You don't want to publicize that kind of thing. I don't really know. I, I always think about my, my aunt passed away, by the way. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of the extreme right wing. right wing. Sweet woman who just voted for Trump. Yeah. Anyway, she passed away. So I don't think the right wing subscribes to Crave. That's right. Personally. That's right. I and, just have no idea what the hell I don't think people in those kind of churches would go home and watch the kind of show. But it's just remarkable. Like they got the mega churches and those are a thing down in the States, right? Yeah. So they run a mega church. They're in the arena. And then, you know, you see John Goodman make the pitch for why, you know, how important it is to tithe and to, yeah. you know, to give and the good works and yeah. this trip to China, they saved 600 souls, right? And this is why we're doing blah, blah, blah. And the next thing you know, you see that all of a sudden it's all choreographed. All the plates come out then after his big yeah. pitch, right? Yeah. And then, you know, you've seen the movie Casino. Yeah. Uh, the beginning scenes. Well, the next thing you know, you're seeing the back room all the money flowing into a back room. And the next thing you know, there's bill counters. It's just, it looks like a casino. Pretty fun series. Called again, gemstones. gemstones. The righteous gemstones. Nice. They're very righteous. Every character's different. It's very, very fun. This week had a visit from Candace from Vernon. And she listens to our podcast. Anyway, she, um, I think at our urging, watched all of uh, Extraordinary Attorney Woo. She said, we watched it one episode a night through the whole thing. And she she's not a TV watcher, right? Yeah. She great. loved it. It's a great series. That's why. Uh, it's really fun. I'm having K-drama troubles these days. They're all too anxiety-inducing or something. Dark. I was thinking about you and your remarks about how when they go dark, they go real dark. Yeah. Because I just, I'm almost finished one and it's called... Weak Hero Class 1 or something. And it's the first R-rated that I've sort of noticed on Vicky. Mm. And R-rating means they smoke. They You actually <laughs> see them because in a lot of the dramas, you see a cigarette, but nobody ever lights it. Yeah, oh. It's always just about to light it. and Or oh. somebody will come along and say, haven't you quit that yet? And they'll take it away, you know. But the air, you know, large amounts of people smoke. But again, it's about bullying. And I, it made me wonder about South Korean society and mm -hmm. because it's depicted so often in the dramas. Yeah. Like, and there's all sorts of idols that are getting taken down because evidence of their bullying in high school yeah. is coming back to haunt them. And they, got, and they lose their careers over it, right? Yeah. But, uh, which is, I think it's a good thing that it's sort of coming to light. But I mean... Yep. How much is it? Is it? Well, we've remarked in here a number of times about one of the nice, fun things about K dramas is they do give you a little Korean society. But yeah, you in a lot of these things, the picture they're painting is money talks. 
in South Korea, if you're rich, money talks. Yeah, you can yeah. just and I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not I'm not supposing it doesn't here in Canada because it absolutely does. I was also wondering because uh, one of our big stars just went into the military, his mandatory two years in the military, right? And all the fans are saying, oh, boo-hoo, he's going away. I was sort of wondering, how does that affect society? Because all of those young men who are now in their 30s, they've done their two years, they all had that experience, all of them, every mm. male in right. South Korea. How does that impact society? Like any kind of army thing, it, there's a hierarchy, right? They listen to orders, that applies, I think, to the workplace. If you're, I mean, because you see all the office, I, I'm just kind of fascinated by the whole thing. Well, the question in this context would be, does it result in a lot of brutalization? I don't know. Does bullying, if you were a bully before active duty or yeah, what does that change anything? If you come back, are all the 30-year-olds not bullies anymore, even though they might have been beforehand? What age but do they go over? In their early 20s. And, and it's. I think you've got to do it. You have a maybe a 10-year period in which to do it, I think. And still oh. today, to this day, women are not required, but men are? As, yes. Uh, oh. I'm, I'm going to say yes. I've never heard of women mm. going in. Yeah. But, I mean, who knows? Anyway, it's uh, just another fascinating little thing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Reborn Rich is kind of interesting. I haven't seen that. Well, it's there. <laughs> well, I don't have Vicky, I don't think. Oh. <laughs> you don't know. Not too sure. Did you know there's a subscription service to identify all your subscription services? I can't remember if you sent me that or just told me. But yeah, I was aware of that. And I thought, and when I saw it, wherever I saw it, I thought, oh, I should use that and then didn't. I've been watching gun restoration videos. This is skin 3.0 here. <laughs> I don't even know how it started. I watch a lot of videos where Russian guys go digging through swamps looking for relics from the Second World War. And it's, it's, it is pretty interesting, the stuff they find. I just wild. I'm a, and you sort of think, like whole tanks, like towards the end of the set, when the Germans were retreating, they got rid of a lot of stuff on their way back to Germany. Like they just drove tanks into the river and into swamps. Yeah. And they just sink. 80 years pass and they drag it out and they go to these, you know, dugouts and strong points and trenches and dig them out. But that led to gun restoration and that led to fake gun restoration channels and how you tell they're fake. Like they'll take a perfectly useful serviceable gun, they'll fake age it and fake rust it oh, really? or, or flash rust it. So that it's, and then they'll do a, this big restoration thing as if it's really amazing. And there's this guy and he's an Italian guy who speaks perfect English and he's, he's called backyard ballistics. And I don't, he, he seems to have a real job, but he explains everything. He shows you. This is how I do it. Here's how you mix the solution that I soak it in. Here's what I do first for this kind of rust. Here's how you tell when it's fake. Here's what the result is. And he fires all the ones that he's able to restore. He goes out in the range and fires them to see if they really work. Yeah. Really fascinating, right? Oh, so he does the real thing, finding the yeah. old stuff and redoing, but he also shows you yeah, how and the he, fake and guys. He's, I don't know. He just says, I, these things... Is I show you the real thing. I show you how I do it. I show you all the secrets for how I do it. Anyway, it's really interesting watching him do this. Is there a way, like, could you start, you could start with the pristine weapon and film it in reverse sequence so that you don't even have to restore it. 
Nice. <laughs> Sue and I watched season three of Jack Ryan, Amazon Prime, one free month. We pretty well enjoyed it, but it was funny this morning. I said, you know, I liked it, but there were moments like she goes, yeah, like the time the helicopter. I go, that's it. That's it. She Sue watches a lot of these kind of action shows and mm-hmm. she says, that's such a trope. She's seen it a million times. Our hero is on some kind of cliff hilltop, right? With a sheer drop off. And he's just standing there and all of a sudden the helicopter rises up right beside him and he goes, what? Like, come on, you would have heard that a mile off. I could not believe they they actually did that. Have you seen that before? When I've seen it a bunch of times. Usually they open fire. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah, the (laughs) helicopter just appears beside you. Yeah. Sometimes it comes rising up just in time for our hero to take a running leap and grab the skid and get carried to safety. But quite often it comes rising up and they just open up with everything. Glass is full. We both laughed because neither of us wanted to say anything while you're watching it. You don't want to take the other, but it is completely. That's the whole joy in watching things is. Completely suspends belief. Yeah. You know, you're just like, yeah. oh man, now I'm thinking about the production. Yeah, there were lots of moments like that. These really trash movies, it's, Haley was remarking on it, you know, it, it's pretty bad when guys like us who don't really know anything about how movies are made are annoyed by lighting and the choice of shot <laughs> and the angles they're using. They're all weird and when you say and, guys like us that don't know anything about how movies are made. Well, Haley and I were watching oh, these okay, movies on Netflix. Okay, wanted to get that clarified. Oh, well, of course, KJ, but for, for normal mortals. Yeah. When the bad, super bad production values begin to intrude on your consciousness at the expense of the, <laughs> the plot and the fake shark and everything else, that's pretty bad. You're in I can't imagine trouble. watching one of those kind of movies and not ever being aware that I'm not watching it. Like oh. you got to be aware a hundred percent the whole time you're watching a stupid show, right? You can accept that the guy walks down into the basement, even though the lights don't work. Yes. You know, he shouldn't, you yes. know, it's really stupid. And in real life, nobody would ever do that, but you can accept that he does it. Yeah, I guess so. But when he walks down into the basement, finds a trap door in the floor, falls through at 60 feet, isn't hurt and still <laughs> manages to, you sort of think, yeah. And then, it's the same as, you know, the angles. Do we have to be looking over this guy's shoulder with his ear in the back of his head in the corner? I get it's supposed to be a live news shot. That's the cameraman. Okay. Got the message back off, but no, they do the entire thing because they are on an actual street and they can't move around. They're just going to do the whole scene like that. And you can't normally you just ignore it and just move on. But when it's every single scene, you start to be annoyed by it. And then you can't think about anything else for the whole movie, not just pieces of it. Are we still talking shark movies here? Yeah. Oh, okay. Just to clarify that. I mean, they're just the latest example of really bad movies. I mean, there's... Yeah, I know you specialize in watching really bad movies. Yeah, pretty much. Which is very interesting. It's just a thing to do. There's (laughs) bad movies that come out of places like Sumatra and stuff like that, horror movies that are just outstanding for really terrible (laughs) production values and plots and acting and everything, special effects. You just kind of think this is a cultural deal, right? Like it's kind of like audiences in North America in the 1930s found certain effects terrifying that we just simply would find laughable now. And 
there's places in the world where they're making movies at that level and it satisfies those audiences completely because it's just all news to them. I think that probably sounds way worse than it should, like patronizing or something, but I just think they're made for a different audience than me, for mm. sure. And apparently they're not, though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> evidently. <laughs> There's uh, lots of that one trope in Jack Ryan as well. It, there's just way too much of this is they're in all these operational type movies where there's the computer guy. He has a bunch of screens. At least six. He can see any security camera in the world, any CCTV, including inside the Kremlin. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like apparently they don't have very good security yeah. there at the Kremlin. Yeah. And that just, that just fuels just way too much of the story, you know, where you're. And of course, at the same time that they're doing that impossible thing, they're just, they're typing at just absolutely light speed, right? And sometimes they'll flash to the screen and they'll show code just zooming up and it's scrolling on the guy's typing all this. And, okay. Okay. He's a super genius. Got it. Super sophisticated systems. Got it. Could we just not? be hit over the head anymore in this movie with that that'd be great any movie i watch it doesn't matter what it is i look at production values for just about every shot i'm thinking about something either the actor actually what they're doing why are they looking right because you're in the business that's part of is soul crushing i cannot enjoy so it does detract that was gonna be my question sounds like there's a lot more than detract does it ever yeah so and that's why i was sort of pleasantly thrilled with uh Maverick, because uh, for some reason it took me away from that. Yeah, maybe because so much of it was kind of real in that in that aspect that they were really flying those planes and stuff. Like yeah, that. and maybe because Lucy kept saying that, I was going, "Oh, okay. Well, I'm buying that way more than for some reason." But I, I never, I don't think in the first one I ever thought, "Oh, they're not." I mean, they're not really flying. I, I don't think I ever thought that. Right. But when you get the information that they are, then it just adds a little something. Hmm. They're actors. They're doing acting. If I were a big director, though, one thing that I would insist on was that there was never any camera shot into the sun or into a really high light. You know how they always, they'll have our hero with the sun behind him. He's always him. silhouetted and it's always yes. going, wee, wee, But I, I like, tend to go like this. I actually squint my <laughs> eyes because I think it's going to hurt. And it bugs me. It just really bugs me. Right, because in a sense, that camera shot should be something that a person could see, right? (sighs) Like in a sense, you should be watching what's really happening as a participant or at least someone who's there in the desert, right? you are And you would not look into the sun. No, I sure wouldn't. And drives me crazy. Even if, even just a slight little hint of it, I think, don't, don't, just don't do it. Yeah, but if Clint has got the sun at his back as the old gunfighters did and he's going to draw on you and you're supposed to be Jack Palance about to eat a bullet you get the view he has you can't see his face yeah okay put the sun behind his head but don't don't let us see the sun the actual sun coming right into the camera lens it's too bright <laughs> behind his head is fine I feel that's a fine distinction I think well it drives me I feel you though because I mean they do that that happens a lot for no real reason. Does it ever? We've talked about the drivers driving the car, turning their head <laughs> sideways to talk to the for passenger. For 40 seconds. For 40 seconds. The K-dramas. Don't are, do that. K-dramas are horrible for that. I don't know why they do it, but they really have a thing with that. Well, I've been, I've been watching that. This new one I'm watching, they're using the shot from the back seat 
with the two actors back of their heads, but we're looking yeah. straight down the street. It's blurry because of focus, but it's, I don't know if you call it CGI. They, mm. they, they've got a screen there, obviously. Right, a green screen. They're not in their real car. Yeah. And th- that's the first I've seen of that. They don't usually show you where they're driving. In those. Mm, right. You always see the stuff going right. by the side window, and sometimes you'll see something out the back. But And then a lot of K-dramas, they... Um, have the car being towed, or perhaps there's a just a camera mounted on the car, and the car is the guy's actually driving it. But the vibration is incredible. You know, like you can see the actors, like the cameras doing this. Mm. First of all, shake, 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 and I mean they they try to match that when they're even using the screens, and it doesn't and it doesn't ever quite work. But I I do just on this last topic, I like the idea of having the camera behind their heads. Because at least I can get relieved of the tension that the stupid driver is going to run into something. Yeah. yeah. Which, which half the time they want you to have that tension, the other half they don't. It's just that the actors forget to look ahead. Yeah. So it'd be nice to have the view from behind because at least you know, even though it's blurry, you know at least there's no car coming straight at them. (laughs) Or maybe there should be. I think I'd prefer that to actually see it coming, you know. (laughs) There you go. There you go. So when you become a big director, you can make that your trademark. You can make it your trademark that in any scene where your leads are in a car driving someplace and having an intense conversation, there will come a point where the driver is suddenly startled and has to correct sharply because he's looked away from the damn road for too long. No, I think you need a scene scene in Nevada on one of those 10 mile long straightaways. And, <laughs> just so and slowly the drift. scene's going to take about three minutes, right? And they're talking. It's a one shot. <laughs> and there's this, off in the distance, there's a little pinpoint, right? <laughs> and just, That's even better. Just keeps, and the tension's building a bit, right? Like, because you can see that it's getting bigger and bigger. And it's just a Mack truck, right? At the last minute, it's just straight into them. Boom! And then the next scene's the hospital or something. He goes all the way. Another uh, little trigger in K-dramas is when somebody cr- crosses at a crosswalk. Just walk out. Just odds. The odds. Uh, if if there's an odd, all of a sudden we're focusing on the walk light, right? It's going walk, 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 walk. And all of a sudden it changes to don't walk, don't walk. Well, s- something awful is going to happen, obviously, right? And yeah. And... I'm saying six times out of 10, <laughs> seriously, when you can almost tell that, oh, this focus isn't right. So they're do- oh, uh, oh, hold on. Here it comes. Here it comes. <laughs> I, yeah. Sue and I both saw one coming. Can't remember the show. The actress is backing up into the street and we just know it's the big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bodies just flying way down the street. Right? That was I. I we've, we're way too far, but still, I have another one <laughs> in one of those shark movies. <laughs> so, so it's a underwater cave, and a bunch of stuff happens, and there's a shark that's has evolved to be blind. Like, and, and honestly, they were so careless about how they do it. You think? Are you trying to tell me that that shark evolved in the course of its own lifetime to be blind because there's no you know, no, of course that's not how evolution works, but they're so clumsy that they don't even make that clear. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anyways, they get chased all over and people get eaten and it's all, you know, very satisfying, but they eventually escape to a place where they come out of the water. They are able to surface, it's still really deep, but they're able to surface. 
but they're in a hole and it has really jagged, steep sides, so they can't climb out, right? They're all terrified. And the dad, it's young women, and the dad says, you know, well, we got to do it. And somebody's saying, I can't do it. I can't, I can't go back in there. And the dad's saying, we've got to do it or we'll die. I know you can do it. You've got this. I believe in you. And at that instant, he gets eaten by the shark. <laughs> I just split a gut. I don't think it was on purpose or anything, but I just howled. He just, you're just getting the sense that he's actually made the pitch. They're turning the corner to where they might be able to go back in there. And he just gets aced. I really liked it. Those moments... Far too few of those in those movies. I hit a foul ball in Northport, a line drive foul ball. It hit, it hit a woman right in the head and she had to go to the hospital. Ooh. Playing That's, softball? Baseball. Like the small ball. Baseball. Yeah, baseball. Hardball. Hardball, baseball. Like organized baseball? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Junior Babe Ruth, age 13 to 15. I played for the Fruitvale team, age oh. 13 to 15. Oh, I didn't think Yeah, I and we were that. down there, and uh, Northport was all in the group, like the teams that played each other. And uh, Cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I hit that foul ball, and it was just straight. Where did it hit her? Right in the head. Where, though? <laughs> I don't know. Face? Temple? I don't know. I saw it. I hit it. Your eye follows the ball and bang. Don't know what happened. Don't know what happened. I know that she went to the hospital. That's all I know. Oh. I saw an old clip of some guy being interviewed by a news reporter and he's standing along the first baseline in the outfield and somebody back at home plate hits a line drive and it's curving. You can see like they're standing there and the background is home plate with the first baseline going all the way to home plate. And you see the ball coming from home plate and it curves and it's headed right for this reporter's head. Somebody must yell because he turns his head and just sticks his hands up, makes a barehanded catch about eight inches from this reporter's <laughs> head. It just would have just killed her probably, you know, like, yeah. man, it's just the wildest thing. He just suddenly turns his head and catches this thing. It's great. I used to organize those uh, softball games every Saturday. Yeah. I had a phone list. I'd phone people and we played pretty well every oh, I Saturday. I love those games. Yeah, through the summer. They're just excellent. And Tom Blackwell is running from first to second. Dave Secco catches the ball just to the left of second, like he's a second base player, and just fires a hard throw oh. to first. Tom Blackwell's head is just like four feet away and just direct into the head. Same thing. He had to go to the hospital. It would have been a concussion for sure. I think he blacked out, but yeah. The side of the head too, because he turned his head sideways. Yeah. He saw it coming. But it was softball. It wasn't. Well, that's a hard ball. The softball's a hard ball. I think I was not there. I don't recall that. So I must've not been there. Yeah. It's the kind of thing you never forget. I, those, I, I think I was in the right games. field or something because I remember seeing it from that angle. I used those to be, games were great. Yeah, I always used to be super disappointed when they ended. And thank goodness, you only had to dial four digits back then. Yeah. Because I had the long list and I'd just call, hey, are you, we're playing softball today. You in? Yeah. And just keep going over and over through the whole list. Get the busy signals now and then. Get the ring and ring. What's the protocol, guys? I don't even. When do you hang up? Six. Six, exactly. Yeah. And that must have been some kind of marketing push by the phone company so as not to tie up the lines too long or something. I think it was just 
sort of a social custom. Six rings. Six rings gives you a time to get out of the shower if you really feel like it. Six rings is the sort of limit before it becomes truly irritating. Boy, you're pretty fast at getting out of the shower. Well, I didn't say I'd be all dressed and my hair combed. I just said it. (laughs) Like if you're expecting a call from the doctor about your results, you'll be out of that shower in six rings, right? But if you are not... You're just running gonna, through the house. Yeah. Dripping on the shag carpet. You know, slipping on the tiles, bashing the back of your head. Concussion. Hope to hell it's the doctor. <laughs> Falling on the avocado green washing machine. That's right. On the way. No, I think it's just a social custom. I really do. And because after six, get the message. I don't want to answer. <laughs> well, I saw a training video on YouTube for introducing the new dial phones by one of the phone companies. Did you? And I think they actually mentioned the six ring oh, thing, but okay. I, could, I could be wrong. Okay. That might date back even earlier, but boy, was it fascinating. Uh, just an object lesson in how to teach what is actually kind of a complex user interface. Yeah. Because we grew up with it. So how simple could it be? You just dial, right? But no, there's, you know, you have to learn dial, then let go. You know, don't dial and then power it back because that'll cause it to do too fast and stuff. Boy, is it, it's just awesome to watch. I'll see if I can find that again. Do send that and put it up on the website too, because that's, for much of our demographic, they will remember rotary phones. And the clear communications is something that's almost lost sometimes. The whole thing of just assuming that people know this and that, and they're just not known, you don't know nothing. Yeah. Well, their audience did know the old pick up the thing. Yeah touch the thing a few times, talk to the operator, tell them who you're trying to connect to or how. Well, those old phones also had a rotary dial on them, I think. No, no, the ones before those. Okay. The only way was you had to pick up and then tick a couple times and now the operator gets involved and you tell them maybe a phone number. Yeah, I would like to see that because we've talked about this before. User guides, because that's what you're talking about. It's a a movie that's a user guide. Mm, Yeah. Super hard to do. Yeah. <laughs> They're really hard. It's just fascinating to watch. You can see them repeating the same message a few times. Yeah. And there's a little bit of humor in there because who's the hard sell on the newfangled phone is grandpa. Yeah. You know, <laughs> grandpa just misses the old days and he doesn't like this. And by the end of the show, he's, he's super enthusiastic. He's all happy. Big smiles. <laughs> Oh, this is the greatest thing ever. (laughs) Well, there you go. It's the end. You've survived another episode, and so have we. I don't know how you feel about your voyage over the last number of minutes, hours, however long this episode has been. I've aged another whole year in the interim. I'm now 66. It's kind of fun. I'm talking to future me. It's kind of great. Oh, that's right. At any rate, we hope you did have fun. Write and tell us if you did, or if you didn't, or anything you want to write and tell. Just right. Tell us. Hey, Skinny. What? Happy birthday. Ah, thanks. <laughs> Happy future thanks, birthday. Guys. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Happy future birthday, me. Uh, let's get out of here quick before this gets any crazier. Guys, say goodnight. 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 You know, could you guys try saying goodnight for real? Like, say goodnight. Goodnight, everyone. <laughs> Way better. Way better. Okay. Goodnight. Yeah. Well, good night. There you go. Thank you. That's much better. Bye-bye.